with me if you brought your Bible, raise it up nice and high. Good, I always encourage you, bring your Bible to church. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1 to 5. Now, the, the title of this message is Keeping the Cross of Jesus Central. Keeping the cross of Jesus central. How many of you agree and believe that's something that we need to do in our lives? Keeping the cross of Jesus central. And uh, as we read the scripture, please keep your Bible open there throughout the the time of sharing around the word because I'll refer back to it several times. And uh, just to let you know, I read most of the time from the New King James Version. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1 to 5, it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That is our theme for this morning. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul says in verse 3, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Now this is, if I can put it this way, the mighty apostle, Paul, saying, hey, I was feeling weak, I was in fear, and I was trembling. Verse 4, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words, of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's a good passage of Scripture. Four aspects that I'd like to touch on concerning that. Number one, you don't need to have all the fancy words to share your faith. Just tell people what God has done in your life. May I repeat that? You don't need to have all the fancy words to share your faith. Just tell people what God has done in your life. Here it says in verse 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, Paul is basically saying, hey, when I went to Corinth and went and ministered there, preached there, I didn't come with a slick sermon. I didn't come with some heavy presentation. I didn't even come, I'm not sure what that noise is. Um, I didn't come with some PowerPoint presentation. It wasn't fancy. It wasn't impressive. But all I came was talking about Jesus Christ. I came to tell you about Jesus Christ, the work that He's done in my life, and the overflow of what is happening within me. And it's quite interesting that God used Paul so mightily, yet he was a person who by his own confession was weak. Sometimes we shy away from sharing with others about the Lord Jesus because... We feel that we don't know enough scriptures off by heart. 
or we feel we don't know the Scripture uh, references, or we feel we don't know enough theology, so therefore I, I'm rather just not going to talk to that person about God because I, I don't have it all together. I'm not as sharp as maybe my, my life group leader or my pastor or something like that. And you know what? Yeah, even Paul, he said, I didn't come with excellence of speech or wisdom. He says, I just came declaring the testimony of God. I just came to say, Jesus Christ is the one that makes a difference. This shouldn't hold us back. The fact that we might not know all the theology and all the details, just tell people of what God has done in your life. For instance, you could be sitting with a work colleague, maybe in the canteen at lunch. And maybe God gives you a gap, and you take the gap, and you begin to tell something like this, and you say, you know what? It was about seven years ago, I ended up somehow in a church service and I made a commitment of my, of my life to Christ. And you know what? Before that, I can say I had a lot of anger and resentment in me. I was, I was furious. I was angry on the inside. But somehow, through opening my life to God, I realized, well, if God forgave me of so much, I can't hold unforgiveness towards somebody else. Now what's that? It's a testimony. It's just telling people what God has done in your life. Did I quote theology? Did I quote theories of eschatology in the end times? No. Did I use big scripture references? Did I even quote scripture? No. But it was all about what God has done. And really, the sharing with other people doesn't have to be big and fancy with impressive words. You can just say what God has done. I remember I was flying in America once, and I'd often heard of you know these pastors. They get up on stage and they preach, and then they share testimonies of how they witness to the guy next to them, and next thing he's slain in the spirit or something, and wow, you know, how do these guys get it right? And I thought, well, I was quite a lot younger then. I was about 23. I thought, I'm going to witness to this guy. So I was all alone in, in the plane, as far as I recall, and I began to speak to the guy next to me, and I thought, I'm going to get this guy for Jesus. Mark my words. I'm going to get him. <laughs> and so I began to talk with him, and I, I took a bit of a theological approach. <laughs> Big mistake. And we ended up having a long theological debate which was utterly meaningless, senseless. It got us nowhere. And you know what? I thought to myself afterwards, why did you even go that route? Eventually I was thinking, would this guy please dry up? You know? I thought, yeah, I'm going to influence this guy. Eventually I'm like, stop, stop. You know? But at the end, I, I did say the following. I said, well, it's clear that you've got your point of view and I've got my point of view. But all I can say is that Jesus Christ has done a work in my heart and life and I believe he wants to do one in yours too. But it would have been far better if I had just spoken to him about the love of God that I've experienced in my life. 
of what God has done, of the peace that I have on a daily basis, would have been much better to do something like that. You know what? No one can argue with your testimony. No one can. You don't need to have all the fancy words to share your faith. Just tell people what God has done in your life. Number two, throughout our Christian lives, we need to keep the cross of Jesus Christ central. This is number two, and perhaps the main aspect of this message. Throughout our Christian lives, we need to keep the cross of Jesus Christ central. Now, verse two says, Paul says in verse two, have a look at it with me. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It was Paul's determined purpose to keep the cross of Jesus Christ central. He set an outstanding example for us in this. And I believe it's an example that we should follow. Now, during the course of your Christian walk with God, from the time you get saved, right up until the time you eventually go to be with the Lord, you will encounter certain influences in your life. Some, sometimes these influences will... Shall I change over to the other microphone? Sometimes... You can take my monitor down, please. Sometimes these influences come from people that you love and respect, and they are well-meaning and so on, but they're influencing you in the wrong direction. And throughout our Christian lives, we need to keep the focus on the cross of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I determined to know nothing. I didn't want to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, if you stay focused on the cross, it is unlikely that you will ever get caught up in wrong doctrine. If you stay focused on Jesus and the cross, you don't have to fear about getting off the rails or getting into some wrong doctrine. It's like the sustaining anchor in your life is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4 verse 14 and 15, I'll just read it. We should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. But speaking the truth in love, we should grow up into all things into Christ who is the head. So in other words, we shouldn't be tossed around by influences, by people's little strange ideas or strange theologies and things. We should be solid and grow up into Christ. Our focus should be on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does anybody say amen? Now, this is not always the case that people do this. Because some people want the cross plus observing of Old Testament traditions. Some people want the cross plus a prosperity gospel. Some people want the cross plus circumcision. For some people, it's not okay to just have the cross. They also want Jewish roots theology. Paul said, I don't want anything else. 
accept the cross of Calvary. It is enough for me, Paul said, and it should be enough for us. It concerns me that many people begin to get into this, uh, call it the Jewishness of Christianity. They were in fact having a talk show on 702 the other day. They were saying there's this major trend where people are Christians, but then they also want to observe the practices of the Hebrews, the practices of the Jewish people. It's becoming a, a major thing. Many people are turning to this. I sat with a group of pastors the other day around a table, and we all agreed, oh yeah, you've also got some of that in your church. Yeah, you've also got some of that, you know. And we spoke about it with alarm, with a sense of alarm, with a sense of concern in our hearts. But you know what? The cross of Calvary is enough. We don't need to add anything to it. The cross of Calvary is enough. And Paul said, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You know, there's a group called Passion. Passion is a group based out of America. They've had some events here in South Africa. And with these guys from Passion, they focus particularly on ministering to students. They minister to students on the campuses of the world. And they're having quite a remarkable influence. You know, I was watching one of their music videos a little while back. And they were having a massive worship festival. I don't know, thousands and thousands of people in this massive arena. But they had built nothing short of a gigantic cross. Man, this thing was huge. Right in the center of the stage, it was a, a stage which was surrounded all around by seats. But they had built a cross which basically started at stage level and went right up to the ceiling of the auditorium. Massive big cross. And I thought to myself, wow, the guys like Louis Giglio and Chris Tomlin and these guys, David Crowder, that are doing this, I thought, good for them. Here they are. Uh, Impressing upon young people, impressing upon students that it is the cross of Jesus Christ that is central and don't get into all sorts of other nonsense, all sorts of other things. And I thought, wow, it's a case of keeping the main thing the main thing. So number two, throughout our Christian lives, we need to keep the cross of Jesus Christ central. Amen? Number three, even today, God still uses weak vessels to accomplish His purpose. It says in verse 3, Paul says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. It's astounding to see that Paul, who was, I mean, he's recognized as this tremendous man of God, mighty man of God, wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament, and here Paul says, you know what? I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in trembling. Some people are waiting for the weakness, the fear, and the trembling to disappear before letting God use them. You know what? It might never disappear. But we have to just come to God as we are, and we have to say, God, I'm going to just put it out there for you. There's some people that are scared to pray in public. 
Maybe you can relate to what Paul said, weakness and fear and trembling. And you're too scared to pray in public. You know what? I want to say to you that you've got to take a step of faith and you've got to pray out aloud. There's some husbands, they don't want to pray in front of their wives. They're scared about it. You know what? Forget about that. You be bold in the Lord. Despite the weakness that you might have, the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. But it's amazing that just as Paul was a weak earthen vessel, like any one of us, so he was used by God, yet he was used by God. If you feel weak, it doesn't mean that God can't use you. In fact, it makes you a more likely candidate to be used by God. Number four, the last aspect is this. A living faith is demonstrated by the Spirit and His power at work in our lives. A living faith is demonstrated by the Spirit and His power at work in our lives. If you look at verse 4, it says, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know, some people go to church and their faith is in the wisdom of men. Their faith is in the stained glass windows. Their faith is in the robes that these men wear and the all sorts of things that they do and, and shake and, and their faith is in the priests. But you know what? Oftentimes, in that instance, there's a form of godliness, but the power of God is denied. Paul was, say, Paul was saying, don't have your faith in the form of godliness, but recognize that the power of God needs to be present. Our lives need to have the demonstration of the Spirit of God and of power. In other words, when you really have been touched by God, the life of God is in you. The power of God is in you. And you walk with a sense of the reality that Christ is in me. He has anointed me. And I have the power of God within me. And Paul was saying that this needs to be the case. That we don't have our faith in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul wasn't presenting some theological dissertation or thesis. He was simply demonstrating by preaching to the Corinthian church, the power of a life touched by God. And that's what we need to do too. We need to allow the reality of the life of God to be in us, flowing through us. And the bottom line is people will come and watch you burn if you're on fire for God. Your family are watching you. They're watching the burning passion that's in your heart. They're watching you. And when they see it, you know what? It's attractive. People want to come and experience it. I was thinking of the fact that there are many theologians around the world. And I was thinking of the fact that some of them are as dead as can be. I've heard in the last two years certain newspaper reports in South Africa quoting the theologians in this country. And these theologians begin to question whether there is really a devil. 
these theologians begin to say, well, maybe it's just okay to live together. These theologians begin to say things that aren't in agreement with the Word of God. And you know what? You meet with them and you discover they're dead. They're dead on the inside. But yet they're supposed to have this understanding of the Word and the Greek and the Hebrew and the depth of theological understanding and the whole of systematic theology. They meant to have it together. Well, you know what? If they really understand the Word of God, let's see the fire of God in your life. If you really get gripped by the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, it begins to burn within you. Your life begins to change. You begin to get more on fire for God, begin to burn with the fire of the Holy Spirit within you. Some of them, like my dad used to say, have too many degrees but no temperature. (laughs) Too many degrees and no temperature. I tell you what, if the message of Jesus really grips your heart, it doesn't make you want to stand still and say, Robumptious, robumptious. <laughs> Mommy enjoyed that one. When the fire of God begins to grip your heart and God has really touched you, it makes you want to sing. It makes you want to clap your hands. It makes you want to get up in the morning and say, God, you have been good to me. I thank you that you are alive and living on the inside of me. But yet some of these theological people, they look so, I don't know what word to use. They just look so prim and proper. I tell you what, there's some people that begin to shout and jump for God. They know God more than many of the degrees with no temperature. James 2 verse 18, it says, Show me your faith without works. And I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, I want to kind of say, you look all dead. And you say you've got faith. No, no, no. I'll show you that I'm alive in God and that my faith is living and alive. A living faith is revealed by a life filled with God's Spirit. Let the life and power of God's Spirit flow through your life. The Bible says that He can do immeasurably more than you can ask or think. And it's according to the power at work in you. You might be listening to me today and you realize that you haven't let the power of God begin to be manifested through your life. You know what you do? You get on your knees tonight before the Lord and you say, God, baptize me with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I don't want to know just the letter of the law. I want to know the life of the Spirit of God, the life of Christ, the life of Jesus. I want it to be manifested in me. So we've been talking about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Number one, you don't need to have all the fancy words to share your faith. Just tell people what God has done in your life. Number two, Throughout our Christian lives, we need to keep the cross of Jesus Christ central. Three, even today, God still uses weak vessels to accomplish His purpose. And number four, a living faith is demonstrated by the Spirit and His power at work in our lives. Now, 